Welcome to season three of the Marketing Science Podcast, the podcast for sales and marketing professionals working within science, engineering, and healthcare. My name is Daniel Azel, and I'll be your co-host for season three. We're starting the season off on Women in Engineering Day. Dr. Susan Skurlock, MBE, is joining us from Primary Engineer to discuss how her organization and the engineers that she partners with are inspiring the next generation. Don't forget you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all your favorite podcast players. And if you would like more information about running a scientific podcast, then visit azonetwork.com forward slash podcast. I started the show by asking Susan if it was true that as a child, she wasn't able to study technical drawing as it was considered a boys only subject at the time. Yes, it is actually. Um, When I was at secondary school, there were certain subjects that were just for the boys and certain subjects that were just for the girls. So typing and shorthand was just for the girls and tech drawing was just for the boys. Um, a little bit determined to do tech drawing, if I'm honest. I, I, I really did fancy being an engineer as a, as a girl at school. And I was good at physics. I was good at maths. I was good at art and design. And in my head, I think I must have had it that I could only be an engineer if I could do tech drawing. I think um, that was just the way that I'd had it. And when I asked my father if he would go into school and stand up for me so I could do tech drawing, he said no. And despite being an engineer himself, he didn't really think that girls could be engineers. And that kind of put an end to my aspirations to become an engineer at a very early age. And I think that probably my life's work has been in some shape or form a revenge for not being able to do it myself when I was a kid. So was your initial interest in engineering due to the fact that your your dad was an engineer himself? Or is it the fact that you had talent in physics, maths, uh, art, like you said earlier? I think, oddly, I think it was because my dad was an engineer that I really thought I could do that. I liked the way that um, when he talked about the things that that he was doing at the time, I I did have an interest in that and all things mechanical always appealed. So, yes, I think think dad did have, he did did get some inspiration towards that. But also it was the kind of, um, I felt I was quite a good problem solver. I liked to, to try and make things work and... And so it was a combination of things, I suppose. But unfortunately, I didn't. I didn't get Pasco. Yeah. So you so you weren't able to to pursue the the career in engineering. Was that the sort of main motivation for you setting up Primary Engineer to to give uh, in this situa- in this case girls a chance to to, to pursue it as a career? Um, I think it was it was actually a wider thing than than that. If I'm honest, I I. When I left school, I became um, a graphic designer. I went to university and became a graphic designer, and I worked in graphic design, but always with an aspiration to become a teacher. And um, when I was a teacher, I was a teacher at secondary school. And the thing that I saw very clearly very early on was that some of the children that I was seeing um, at the age of 11 and 12 had had actually given up, um, which is an incredible thing to say that they didn't think that they should be in education. They didn't see why they should be at school. They couldn't understand why we were teaching them the things that we were teaching them. And I really felt that if we could address that, um, that it would make such a huge difference to so many young people. And I felt that engineering was possibly a a way to approach that. Um, If we could take engineering into primary schools, what, what a difference that might make. 
so you're you're a teacher in a secondary school at this point. So what was the process from going from that to setting up primary engineer? What did you have to go through? What did you have to to plan out and do? Um, well, I was doing some work with um, a gentleman called David Jinks, who was well known for his uh, work in the design technology field. And we were doing some consultancy work in schools and really looking at, you know, encouraging teachers to be able to use design technology in a very cross-curricular way. And we started to talk about the importance of linking that to the real world and engineers. And at the time, somebody, somebody came along and said that there was a fund that you could apply for if you had an idea that would encourage more children into engineering. And me and David had a think about it. And we thought, oh, do you know what? We do have an idea. Let's, let's write it. So we wrote this thing and it was huge. And lo and behold, I can remember it in May, I got the letter saying, this sounds like a great idea. We'll give you the funding. I thought, do you know when you get careful what you wish for? Yeah. And it was, oh, right. Oh, okay. Well, to do that, that means I've got to stop teaching. I've got to give up my job. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And if I'm on it, I kind of sat down with my dad and talked about it. My dad thought it was really important. And um, I have to say that it was a very deep breath. But um, I decided that if I didn't do it, I would never allow myself another idea. Mm. So I did. I handed in my notice and I started to plan to, to really build on the idea of primary engineer. So would it be fair to say that you weren't exactly expecting to, uh, to get that response when you, when you applied? Um, I kind of thought we might have done, but it was a surprise when it landed. I think anything like that, when you, when you kind of aim big and, it, and um, you get a letter through the post saying, well done, you, you, you know, <laughs> come on, you can do it. Um, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a surprise, I have to say. Yeah, shock. So, so you get the good news, then it's full speed. You you, uh, you leave teaching, it's full speed ahead with primary engineer. What are you trying to achieve at this point? Um, I think at that point, the, the first thing that we tried to do was to build a teacher training course. So the idea was how do you, how do you amplify the message and get it to the most number of people in the most efficient way? And primary teachers, even now primary teachers, have very uh, little experience of design technology in their training uh, before they get into the classroom. And we felt that if teachers had a more understanding of the techniques, uh, the application, and then the impact of this kind of, of this subject area, that that would have a greater effect on children. So it was the designing of courses and it was designing of resources for teachers to be able to use and then use them again and again and again over the, their careers to more and more children. And as we kind of grew that idea and brought other people in to help design the resources and, and the courses and things, that we start, started to identify that what was missing from that process was engineers, that we needed to bring engineers to work alongside the teachers Without, without their first meeting being in a classroom, if you know what I mean, so that they get the opportunity to do something together, work on the project, get to know each other, get to understand each other's perspectives. And then when they did work together in the classroom, it was, it was greatly enhanced because they knew each other. They, um, you know, the idea was that the engineer would be the context for the project in the classroom and be that person that 
the children recognized as you know the engineer and the teacher would do the teaching so it was structuring very much the 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 way that we train teachers um, at the very outset yeah and we'll we'll definitely touch a little bit more on the engineers that the organizations that you're partnering with uh, a little bit later on i just wanted to talk about so today is women in engineering day so historically why is there not more gender diversity in engineering and why is it important to rectify it is it just uh, outdated attitudes of the past or is there something more um it's it's a big it's a big question isn't it because i think that there is more information available now about women in engineering than than before it's um there are a lot more role models out there that uh, young girls can see um that are engineers and i think that i suppose in the past it was something that didn't look easily accessible and and it's funny because my daughter once said that girls make decisions about careers based on kind of trying them on you know like having that approach where they see if it fits them if it's something for them and if they don't have the opportunity to visualize that then it's it's not likely that they're going to sign up for something that they have never experienced so our approach to that has been to ensure that we have a mix of role models that regularly engage with schools so that everybody has the opportunity to see the diverse nature that should be in engineering because it's it's that diversity that's important in any uh, in any subject area in any career path because you need that range of experiences you need those different voices if you're going to solve great big problems you need you need lots of inputs from different angles and different directions to be able to give you the best solutions so it's hugely important that that diversity is addressed in engineering. So, uh, if if you've if a little girl was sat that uh, sat talking to you today and she was worried about taking up a career in engineering, what would you say to her to to encourage her to get involved? Um, I would suggest she went and talked to some female engineers, um, and I would also suggest that she asked if she could go and visit engineering companies. I think that. Um, the open doors that engineering companies have in terms of wanting to inspire young people is, isn't probably as known as it should be. And female engineers are incredibly good at finding time to talk to young people, especially young girls, to encourage them into, into this career. So I, I would be encouraging her to find, or I would go and find someone for her to talk to and get some inside information. And uh, what, so primary engineering has been running for over 15 years now? Yeah, 2005 I started. 2005. So what progress have you seen? So if you're going into schools earlier, early on, there must be some knock-on effect for future careers. Um, what sort of progress has been has been made in the last sort of five, 10 years? I think the biggest one is the, um, is the eagerness of teachers to see the projects in schools. Um, we we trained over 600 schools this last between January and now. Um, we're seeing a large demand for teachers to be able to access our courses. We have a whole range of competitions that we run. The if you were an engineer, what would you do? Competition. So one thing that we're seeing is massive interest from teachers. We're seeing it that 
teachers are evidencing the impact on children. So the children that potentially were disengaged um, are very engaged when it comes to engineering. There's something that really switches them on. So, yeah, I think one of the biggest things has been the interest from teachers in engineering being part of their curriculum. Um, And I also think that one thing that I, I really do like is that the impact on children is quite significant. Um, certainly in one in a project, if you were an engineer, what would you do? It's also known as the Leaders Ward, where we're asking children these questions. The ideas that they come up with, their interpretation of what engineering is, is to help people. The solutions to their problems are generally designed to help people live better lives, or um, make the world a better place. They have these big ideas of where engineering fits, and that's quite an interesting thing to see. What's the uh, what's the most out of the box idea you've seen from from a child with the with the projects that you're on? I have quite a few out of the box <laughs> ideas, if I'm honest. My, one of my favourites, one of my all time favourites, is. It was from, I think, a little boy in Glasgow. And little, I mean, probably around about four or five. And he'd been, he'd interviewed, or the school had interviewed um, somebody from TALUS in Glasgow who build um, telescopes. And obviously this had, had resonated with this child. And he'd drawn a radio with a prism on the top that sprayed water through it so that you could dance under rainbows. (laughs) How old is he? Four years old? (laughs) Yeah. I would love somebody to build that. It is just my favourite all-time random idea that is just beautiful. And and then we've seen the other end of it. We've seen uh, Christina, who was a young girl in uh, Burnley, whose cousin had um, spinal muscular atrophy, um, a disease known as SMA. And she designed an exoskeleton jacket to help to help him. And uh, we have university partners that build some of the children's ideas as part of the project. Yeah, that's, that's an incredible story. It must be amazing for you when you when you've set out to create an environment for, for children to think and to learn in, and then all of a sudden they're coming out with ideas like this that are actually going to change people's lives. That must be really rewarding. I think it's, it's, it's I think don't they call it a drop the mic moment? Yeah. It's one of the ones where you just go, Oh, if we don't do anything else, we've done that. It's um, but it's, it's ongoing. You know, you, we come across um, every year at the end of the year, we have different proto teams that have built different ideas but it's, it's not just about the fact that a child's idea is built. It's also about the fact that we get lots and lots of engineers to read the ideas that the children have submitted. And every child gets a grade and every child gets some feedback from an engineer. And that whole process, you know, when you're talking about inspiring children with what engineering is and, you know, to, to, be, to look at it as a career, the fact that engineers have taken time to read their ideas and give it a grade so that they can get a certificate. And then later on, you know, we've got exhibitions and things. Those are tremendous things that inspire young people. And they're things they don't forget. And, you know, so it's all these different kind of touch points that you 
need to build that bigger picture as to why engineering is important and why it's a potential career for, for young people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've just touched on it then. I wanted to ask about how you market engineering as a career path for young people. So the role models, hugely important, uh, partnering with really good organizations, the competitions. How else are you how are you marketing it? Um, well, I suppose um, a lot of it is through the name. You know, we, we are primary engineer and we were engineering quite, you know, loud on our sleeves. We also look at any projects that we design, how we can involve an engineer in the classroom at some point in that project. Because I think that what we're trying to do is to is to raise the... I suppose one thing that really intrigues me is that what did, what does an engineer look like? You know, we touched on it earlier about children being able to, to mentally try on it as a career. But most parents can't say to their children... That's you, you look like an engineer, you sound like an engineer, because quite often they don't have that uh, uh, sphere of reference. So we know what a doctor does, we know what a dentist does, we know what a nurse does, we know what a chef does, and we know what a hairdresser does. And we can easily say to our children, oh, look how well you're doing that. You, oh, you could be a hairdresser, or oh, you could be this, or you could be that. We don't say what an engineer sounds like if you if you understand what I mean so mm. I'm kind of what I'm looking at doing next is to kind of share with parents what engineers were like as children so that they can start to reference that in their own children and you know have that magical moment where they turn around and say well oh, you could be an engineer that you know engineers do things like that they think about problems that way they're creative they build things they do this so I'd like to kind of look at how we um get parents to understand what engineers look like as well so is that one of the biggest challenges parents not having the awareness or even acknowledging the fact that their child might make a good engineer one day is and then therefore not pushing them to do certain subjects or encouraging them to do certain subjects rather uh, is that one of the main stumbling blocks um i think it is to some degree i think that also the the other stumbling block i think a little bit is the way that we stre- structure option choices at secondary school where subjects are chosen uh, sometimes because of availability of teachers and the need for um physics for instance to be a subject that uh, teachers that sorry that physics is a subject that is needed if you want to progress to be an engineer down certain routes. I know that there are some universities that have removed physics as a requirement subject. Um, But sometimes those choices in a school are very hard uh, for children to to make, and not necessarily because uh, they can't decide, but because of the availability of those subjects at that level um, for, for large numbers of children. So I think that there are things that, kind of eliminate children earlier on much too early in the process uh, to become an engineer and how important are the partner organizations and the engineers that you're working with in terms of building up the child's confidence if they've never considered this is a career path and then they come to one of the events or they take part in one of the projects how important is that presence of the engineer in the classrooms and at these projects and events oh i think they're vital i think they're absolutely vital i think that 
the idea that if you could make engineering a fixed part of the curriculum in schools, you know, having that regular engagement with engineers, they bring so much to the curriculum in terms of everything from climate change right the way through to art and design. They, they, there are touch points throughout the curriculum that engineers can bring that um, can bring it to life with. So I think having engineers involved is is absolutely the best thing that we can possibly do. I think for young people. So how do you, do you as a primary engineer? How do you uh, develop those relationships with organisations? How do they come about? Do they get in touch with you, or is it you outreaching to them? How does it work? Um, well, quite a few of our, our funders are, are engineering companies, and quite you know that, that part of the reason that they engage with us is so that their engineers can help support what we're trying to achieve in schools. So their engagement comes through that. We also get engineers that will contact us and register via our website that want to get involved and volunteer to do different parts of the projects. Um, there are lots of different ways that engineers can get involved. They can get involved either as part of the training or they can be interviewed by children or they can help us with grading. And, and what we tried to do from the outset was provide lots of different ways that engineers could be involved so that, you know, it's all time dependent. If they've only got a small amount of time in which they're available, then, you know, we can find something that would suit them. And if they've got more time available, then we've got some things that will suit them too. Uh, we have a lot of schools that engage with us. And um, so we're always on the lookout for engineers as well. And what's their general feedback from when they get involved? Uh, are they enjoying it themselves? Uh, are they getting a lot out of it? Yes, I would say definitely they get a lot out of it. There's a lot of enthusiasm from engineers to share what engineering is with with an audience. and. I think that, um, you know, originally we, the whole idea of what we were trying to do was we were trying to get um, engineers inspiring children. And what we've found is that actually it's the children that are inspiring engineers and they get a lot of joy and enthusiasm out of, you know, reading children's ideas about what engineering should be and how, you know, how it can be used um yeah I, I think i think it's a two-way street i think the engineers do inspire children but i think that the children inspire the engineers too yeah and like you said earlier you never know where these amazing ideas are going to come from so um if if there are any engineers or marketers working for companies with colleagues who might want to be involved what do they what do they have to do to to get involved susan i i would suggest they drop me a note um i'm, I'm easily found and i can certainly help them to uh get involved in any of our projects in all all corners of the UK. Wonderful. So if anyone does have any, uh, anyone who's listening does have a colleague who might be interested in being involved, we'll put Susan's uh, LinkedIn profile in the comments of the of the show notes today and you can get in touch with Susan and uh, you can take it from there. Uh, Susan, just a, a couple of other things. So obviously the last sort of 15 months has been hugely challenging for, for everyone across the world. How have you had to adapt um, since the since the start of the pandemic well I, th I think you know as as with everybody else we we sat down and kind of thought you know how were we going to turn our face-to-face -face training courses into something that you know we could still bring into classrooms and we we went digital we did our all our training courses are online uh, we brought our engineers together with our schools virtually 
and um, we just carried on, really. Um, it hasn't been the easiest of time for anybody. Um, and I think that what we wanted to do was to try and provide as much support to the teachers that we've worked with over the years, but also the teachers that we were looking to engage with as part of our programs. So um, we've tried really hard to, to maintain that. But it, for anybody, it's not been the easiest of years and schools have really, really had to work hard to um, support their pupils. And we've tried to do that for them. Have you found that the the children have been adaptable to the sort of change in learning dynamics? Have they taken to it more quickly than you would have expected? Um, it's hard to say because I think that we are, are a kind of route to school is more through the teacher and then we see the outcomes from the pupils. Um, certainly we've seen a great deal of enthusiasm from teachers um, to take part in training, online training, and finding that that's, you know, in the past we would be expecting two members of staff from a school to turn up. But, of course, when you're doing it virtually, you can have the rest of the school sat behind them. So it's been fantastic, the number of teachers that have readily engaged with the training courses. So, um, yeah, I think I think there is a massive enthusiasm for it and um, one that was interesting that, it, it you know, doing it digitally, it made that more accessible. Um, so it's, it, it's been a very interesting year from that regard, um, whilst obviously, you know, very difficult in the same breath for everybody trying to deliver in a, cl- in a classroom. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of being more accessible, does that mean you've been able to, or engineers that you haven't been able to work with you in the past, have been able to now? And do you work with any engineers overseas in the European Union or the United States or Canada? Um, we don't really. We, we are actually we're UK focused at the moment. We have got aspirations for for wider, but at the moment, and especially over the last year, eighteen months, we've been very focused on our on our UK teachers. Um, we have had engineers that have engaged with us uh, for online interviews with children from overseas, which has been really exciting because I think that that's an aspect of engineering that is really um, inspirational for children. So to be able to see that um, you can travel with this career and you can do amazing things in other places is a real point for many children. So that, that's been exciting to do. Perfect. And then finally, so 16 years in, you've obviously been on an amazing journey so far. What the next three to five years look like? Well, I think I, if I'm honest, I would like to see, I'd like to see primary engineer in every school really every primary school I think that would be one of my biggest ambitions to see children being able to name an engineer that they have heard about that they've met um, that they know what they do Um, and then I think it's also important to realize that not everybody wants to become an engineer and that's something I have to tell myself that not everybody wants to be an engineer however You've got these companies, you know, there are other people in engineering companies other than engineers that still aspire to do great things and make things and solve the world's biggest problems. So I think it's that knowledge of engineering and its breadth and the different careers that sit around it as well as in it. So I would like more children to be able to be aware of these careers that are available to them and the options of how to get involved in them. Absolutely. And this is the final, final question. Um, So you talked about a couple of amazing stories previously. What's the sort of one thing that sticks out over the last 16 years? What's been the one memory that makes you think and look back and smile upon? 
the one memory after 16 years, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, funnily enough, I've just found one piece of information which I'll share, which kind of illustrates it. So one of the first proto-team builds was the shopping trolley for the elderly. And it was a shopping trolley designed by a young boy from a small town called Cromarty in the north of Scotland. So a very small school. And Kath Milne was their teacher, and she was an incredible teacher, still is an incredible teacher. So he designed the shopping trolley for the elderly because his nan couldn't lift the shopping out of the trolley and into the boot of the car. So he designed it so it would lower, the front would flick forward, and he would roll the shopping into the boot of the car. Absolutely glorious. And Strathclyde University proto team built it, and it, it was amazing. It was absolutely fantastic. And I found out yesterday, Friday, that um, he's been accepted on an engineering degree course. And I just think that is that lovely idea that from being that child that had thought of an idea to help somebody else is now starting out as in as the first steps of their engineering degree. I think that's, uh, I think that's a fantastic one to, to end on. Um, Dr. Susan Scurlock, thank you very much for, for your time. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. And you. Thank you very much for asking. A huge thank you to Susan for sharing her inspiring story with us all today. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, then you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast players. Next Monday, Frankie will be back and we'll be joined by Hal Collier, Head of Marketing at International Gas Detectors. Hal will be chatting with Frankie about how he has grown the marketing department at IGD over the years. We hope you can join us then. And until next time, take care and thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.